that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. She has to learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. You guys did better than I did. Please sit down. <laughs> uh, I just want to thank every one of you for your gifts, for uh, pastor's appreciation. Thank you so much. Tonight, uh, I want to go into this message uh, titled, More Than a Conqueror. More than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. We have to understand that there is a serious warfare, very serious warfare, that's going on in the world today. Uh, this warfare is a spiritual warfare. It's against nations. It's against the church. It's against families. It's against Everyone, if you are a person living on earth, there is spiritual warfare going, and you're part of it. The Bible tells us that there was war in heaven, in the very presence of God. War in heaven, in the very presence of God, where God was seated on the throne. It tells us this in Revelation chapter 12, 7 and 8. It says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven anymore. Any longer. That's an amazing thing to think about. That in the very presence of God, Satan can actually rise up for a fight. So, what makes us think, just because we are Christians, and just because we love the Lord, and God's presence in our home, we are not going to have a battle with the enemy. But if you look at this, this uh, scripture here, God's too big to fight with the devil. God was seated on the throne. God never moved. He sat still on the throne. Michael and the angels were the ones that were doing the fighting. But God observed what was going on. There was no way that God would be dethroned. God was going to still be God when it was all over. Satan was making the most serious mistake he'll ever make, and that cost him eternal, cost him his eternal destiny, and he will be in hell forever. But we have to understand that we are in a fight constantly. Satan is going to attack your family. Satan is going to attack your finances. Satan is going to attack your health. Satan will attack your children. Satan is constantly fighting. In fact, he was thrown out of heaven, still mad and still fighting. The Bible says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Because Satan is come. You know, what is happening, Christians tend to think Satan is totally different. He's no longer fighting. There's still a fight. That's why the Bible says, we fight the good fight of faith. There is still a fight going. But the good news is that we have been destined to be more than conquerors. So many people want to be winners. They want to be champions. But nobody wants to fight. And nobody certainly wants to train for a fight. They just want to sit back and pray that God will bless you and fast while you are going into the boxing ring to box, uh, to become the champion of the world, but all you do is fast and pray and no exercise, well, you will not be a champion. You got to prepare yourself for a championship fight. So Romans chapter 8 tells us this is our destiny. And some people will read these scriptures and wonder, why is that there? I don't feel like more than a conqueror. 
But this is what, what the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Yet in all these things, no matter what's coming at you, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. No matter the fight, I will win. When it's all over, because Jesus loves me, I will win. No matter what the enemy throws at you, if you stand still like God was seated on the throne, and remember, we are seated with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. The Bible tells us that in Ephesians chapter 2. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. But God has given us tools with which to fight, and we don't have to engage in the wrestle. We just use what God is giving to us. And we are victorious. We are more than conquerors. Now let me say this. There are three classes of Christians based on their understanding and their devotion to God, their knowledge of the word, the wisdom that God has given to them. Three kinds of Christians, in my opinion. The first one I will regard as the group that's less than a conqueror. They are still believers. I think Paul will use another term, carnal Christians. Now, this particular group of Christians have not learned, they have not learned that you cannot prevail by your own strength. Flesh will not help you. They are defeated Christians because they have not learned that the arm of flesh will fail. They are depending on their own strength to fight the battle. They do not understand that there is warfare going. In fact, I've actually asked, I have Christians ask me, uh, Brother Goodluck, do you really believe in witches? And I'm asking, where have you been? Don't you read the Bible? And what they are trying to imply is, if you truly believe in God, why should you believe in that? Well, the Bible says there are witches. There are are demons. They exist. They are are Christians, but they don't understand any of this and do not believe any of these things. And so they are defeated. Now, the main thing about this group of Christians, everything they do is by their own power. They give glory to no one else but what's inside. When they say glory to God, that's not, they really don't mean that. They're talking about what's happening inside. So when they go into a battle, they don't go with God. They're going on their own. That's the key. If you go into a spiritual battle and God's not with you, you're going to lose. And that's what this group do, does. Less than conquerors. Now, there's a story in the, uh, which we're all familiar with it. Moses had sent the 12 spies into the land to spy out the land that God said, I have given to you. God does things very different. He says, I have given the land to you, but then you still have to fight. You still have to fight for the land. They went in, they spied the land, and they went and said, wow, the land is good. Just like God said, everything is beautiful in the land. It's flowing with milk and honey. Everything that God told them about the land, even before they got there, was exactly the way they made it. But then they said, we saw giants in the land. Well, God didn't tell them about giants, because as far as God was concerned, there were no giants there. We see giants, God doesn't see giants. If God is for you, who can be against you? They saw giants and they got discouraged. Ten of them said, we cannot. When God says you can, you cannot say, I cannot. Because now you are on your own. Once you say, I cannot, in opposition to what God says, then you are really on your own. Now, what happened is they talked about it. The whole camp was crying. 
everybody was distressed. They spent all that day crying. And why did God bring us here? He should have left us alone. We were okay before we became Christians. <laughs> Sometimes I hear that. Why am I having so many troubles? I thought when you receive Christ, everything becomes peaceful. Why am I having trouble? Well, you don't understand. We are in a fight. If it's attacking your finances, that's not new. We are in a fight. Satan is doing everything he can to make you give up your faith. To stop you from going to church. To say, I don't believe what the preachers are saying. They're not right. And that's his fight. It goes back to the same beginning with Adam and Eve. Did God say? That's the same, the same tactics. He wants you to step away from God's word, trusting in God's word. And once you do that, you are on your own. He gets you whipped. So he uses the same tactics. Now, they cried all night, and God was so upset about what they had done. And God said, none of these guys that have seen the miracles that I did in Egypt, splitting the Red Sea so that they can walk on dry, they saw all of that. And still, they couldn't believe God could kill just giants. They saw the army of Pharaoh drown. But they forgotten that. Then they said, well, I would, we wish their God killed all of us in Egypt instead of getting us all out here. But then God was upset, spoke to them, and then plagued to ten of them. They, ten, those ten spies died by a plague from God. And when they saw that, they decided, okay, we got it now. And they were, They repented. They said, well, sorry. We're ready to go take the land now. And Moses said, don't go. God's not happy with you. If you go, you're dying. Let me read that to you. Numbers chapter 14, verse 42 and 43. It says, do not go up lest you be defeated by your enemies. So Moses told them, don't go up because your enemies will defeat you. For this Lord is not among you. When the Lord is not with you, you will become less than a conqueror. In fact, you will be running and trying to get not killed. And that's exactly what they did. They went and they were driven back. They didn't make it. That's that group that I regard less than a conqueror. Then we have a second group that we regard as conquerors. What does that mean? Conquerors are the Christians that are doing the fight and God's with them. The fight and God's with them in the fight. And you can see that back in the Old Testament as well with David. When David killed Goliath, David killed Goliath himself. I read the scripture just to illustrate that. First Samuel chapter 17, beginning from verse 36. Your servant has killed, so your servant, that's David, has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like the one of them. Seeing he has defiled the armies of the, Lord, the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the power of the lion and from the power of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. This is what I want to, you to get. And Saul said to David, Go, the Lord be with you. David did the fighting, but God was with him. When God is with you, you can fight and you can overcome because God is with you. So, a lot of Christians in the old, uh, back in the Old Testament, I mean, believers in the Old Testament, the New Testament, you do the fight and God is with you. You step out, God walks with you. But then there is the third group that I refer to as those that are more than a conqueror. 
And what this means is you don't even have to fight. Hallelujah. You don't even have to fight. God does all the fighting for you. You just sit back and God fights for you. You enjoy the victory while you are seated. That's more than a conqueror. You know, I've had this illustration before. There is this boxer. He's trained. He's buff and he's ready to fight. He's uh, the, the, the one that's fighting against him. And his wife is sitting by the ringside watching the fight go on. He fights and defeats and he, he, they cut him a large check and he delivers the check to his wife. Uh, the wife didn't fight. The wife is more than a conqueror. <laughs> he got all the proceeds, but he fought for it. Got battered for it, but he got it. She enjoyed whatever. And she said, we won. Well, you didn't fight, but she believed we won. We are the champion. I got the check to show for it. She is more than a conqueror. Amen? That's exactly what Jesus has done for us. That's exactly what Jesus has done for us. And until we understand that, you will go out in your own strength. It takes only the Spirit. It's not by mind. It's not by power. But by my Spirit, says the Lord. You will go out in your own strength. But God has demonstrated this from the beginning. When He fought for the children of Israel to bring them out of Egypt. They had to do nothing. The miracles were done by God Himself through His servant Moses. Moses is a type of Jesus Christ. And then the blood, the Passover, and God delivered his people. But you know, I've said here before, Satan never quit fighting. God had defeated Pharaoh through the miracles, and then the last miracle, that was the blood, and God says, when he sees the miracle of the blood, he'll let you go. That's why the blood is so powerful. Let me say this. The blood of Jesus will defeat every and any satanic uprising against your life. The blood of Jesus will bring to the knee every satanic uprising against your life. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. When we testify and agree with God that Satan has been defeated and we have the blood of Jesus on our side, the blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel, Satan will give him. The blood will always bring defeat to all of his plans. So God defeated them. And so the armies of Pharaoh decided, what did we do? We let them go? We're coming after this. Let me let you know this. This is the type of what we're going through. You're free one time. You're so happy. You think everything is over. Satan is not through with fighting. He's coming. But that doesn't mean he'll win. He still will be defeated. Because he has been defeated. So the armies of Pharaoh went after the children of Israel. Everybody. They were going to get them back. They were not going to let their slaves go. And that's what Satan does. We're free from... We have to understand this. After we are born again and we have come to Christ, Satan is still seeking to enslave us. Yes. To get us back to our old habits. You got, you got, God delivered you from anger. But now you, he's giving you a new reason why you think, this is okay. I have a right to be angry. If you go that way, He's got you back to Egypt. He was going to get them back to imprison them. But this is what the scripture says. And Moses said to the people when they saw the army, they were very scared. They were worried. They had nothing to fight with. These were the armies of, of Egypt that had them in bondage. And they were coming after them and they knew they were mad. 
And so the people cried to Moses, and Moses cried out to God, and this is what Moses said to the people. Do not be afraid. That's the first thing. When Satan is coming at you, don't be afraid. It may seem bleak. All you have to know and ask yourself, is God still with me? And believe me, he is still with you. He is still with you. But Satan wants to make you feel that God has departed. God has forsaken you because of everything that's happening. God's not there. But God saw them before they decided to leave to come after you. When they were holding their meetings against your life, God saw it. And God allowed it. And God is a test. God is asking you to trust in him. That's the only thing that pleases God. That even though you're going through a difficult time, you're still calm inside, not because of your own strength, but because you know God is the one that's going to fight your battle for you. When you know that, God will fight for you. They cried out and Moses said, Don't be afraid. Stand still. Just like God on his throne while the angels fought. Amen? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Can I hear an amen? amen? Today. What is that thing that is coming after your life to give you trouble? God says, God will deal with them today. The Lord will bring salvation to your situation today. He says, do not be afraid, nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. It's God's battle. And Moses said to them, these Egyptians that you see today, you will not see them anymore. Forever and ever. So whatever Satan is bringing against your life tonight, by the power of the name of Jesus, I speak to it, that thing will never have root in your life. You will only experience the symptoms, and the symptoms are going to disappear from your life forever. You'll never see it by the power of the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Because it is true. It is true. That Pharaoh... That's Pharaoh's army that's coming against your finances, against your family. Whatever it is, whatever trouble is coming against you as a child of God, God has you written on the palm of his hand. And I'm telling you, God's going to fight for you. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. And God is going to surely come through on your behalf. It will be well. What you should say every time is just like that cinnamon woman always say, it is well. It is well. It is well. Why? Because God is with you. And God's fighting your battle. And you believe that. And all God is asking for is believe my word. I will fight the battle for you. Now let me let you know this. When God starts, he finishes. Anything that God starts, He is going to complete it. But the trouble is, in our lives, we see the ups and the downs. And what Satan is doing, and God allows it, God is testing you with the ups and the downs to, make, to see whether or not you are unstable in all your ways. And the one who is unstable in all his ways, God says, I can't do business with this person. He's flaky. I need somebody who will trust me and be still. Amen? That's what Moses told them. Be still. That's more than a conqueror. You don't have to fight. God fights the battle for you. There's another scripture where God fought for the children of Israel. In Second uh, Chronicles, and I like that scripture because if you read in Second Chronicles twenty, there he says the people. The, there was a prophecy that came 
three kings had come against Judah. And they felt small. Three kings. Moab, Ammon, and Seir. Three kings. Three nations against one little nation. I mean, Judah probably smaller than Cyprus. It's not that big. Israel is not that big. The whole nation. And these three kings came against them. And they were really concerned. And the king said to God, you got to help us. And God gave them a word of prophecy. And the king himself said, believe God's word. Believe his prophet as well. That's how you get prosperity. That's how you get your success. And when they went out, I'm going to read Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. He said to them, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, that's the capital, and you, the king, Jehoshaphat, talking to the king, this was the prophecy. Thus saith the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed. What is it that's come against your life? That is trying to get you in a place where you are dismayed. As if God doesn't exist anymore. God can never forget you. That's like forgetting himself. Because God and his word are the same. One and the same. And God says, I'll never forget you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be there. We need to understand, just because you are experiencing trouble, doesn't mean God's not there. That's why I brought that scripture in the beginning, that even in heaven, not the earth, even in heaven, where God was seated, Satan was fighting. But God was there. Doesn't mean he's going to win. God allows it. So just because you are going through a hard time, doesn't mean God has abandoned you. God's going to deliver the victory to you, because you are his beloved child. All you have to do is be still and wait patiently for God. It says, do not be afraid nor be dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours. Who has the battle? It's God's. That's more than a conqueror. You don't have to fight. In fact, when they went out to this battle... God instructed them, put the praise team in the front. Amen. Send Amy and the rest of them, put them in the front. And they're saying, God, this is not fair. All we got is our horns and our guitar. And these guys have all these weapons. And God said, yeah, put, I'm sure, <laughs> that's pretty rough. And you're dealing with three, na- three nations. And now you got a praise team in the front. That's clear because God doesn't want anyone to misunderstand what has happened. He was God that did the fighting. And they were praising God. And you know what happened? Moab and Ammon decided, these guys from Syria, they don't look good. We'll kill all of them. And they killed them. They didn't even allow one of them. I mean, I don't know. Maybe somebody picked a fight. And then they decided, we don't like you anymore. We'll kill you, all of us. We're going to kill all of you. And they killed every single person from that nation that came out in battle. These two nations, they joined together to destroy them. And after they destroyed Syria, they then turned around and said, well, I don't like you either. You're going to die. And they destroyed the other themselves. And everybody was... And all the praise and worship leaders were saying, we're really fighting good. They're all dead. You say, why are these things written? For us. For our benefit. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, God wrote these things down for us. So that we know, it says for us, on whom the ends of the world has come. So we know the ways of the Lord. This is how God works. Doesn't mean trouble is not going to come, but God's going to fight for you. God's going to fight for you. When it seems like everything is going down, that's when to say, 
there's something, God's doing something behind the scene. Things are going to look up. He's kept you till this day. Amen? Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're expecting from God, God planted that in you. Don't let go of your dream. Because God's going to come through. Amen? God's going to come through. Don't let people let you know, make you think that God's abandoned you. And you don't let you know that God is abandoning you. Reject those thoughts from your head. Because God is still on the throne. But there are things that God wants us to do. I said on Sunday, nothing goes for nothing. That's God's way. God is not telling you to go fight. If you look at this story in in 2 Chronicles 20, after the fight, they had to go to collect everything that was left behind. To clean up. Amen? We have responsibilities if we have to become conquerors. And this is where it it gets serious for Christians. It gets serious here. How do we become more than conquerors. The reason I ask, the Bible was clear that all of us, we are more than conquerors. But you can look and you can see people who were defeated, right? Did God lie? That's the truth. What happened? Where am I missing it? What went wrong? How is it that I'm not able to live my life like one who is more than a conqueror? What am I missing? God cannot lie. There must be something that I probably haven't gotten a hold of. Doesn't mean the fight will not come, even if you have all of it. Let me say, no matter how holy you feel, no matter how righteous you feel, the fight's coming to you. It's going to come. That's why the Bible says, don't think it's strange. But how do I become more than a conqueror? I believe you can find the answer in the book of Revelation. I'm going to start reading from Revelation chapter 5 from verse 1. And please pay attention to this. It says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll. Written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to lose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth, or under the earth, was able to open the scroll, or to look at it. No one, both in heaven and on earth, no one could. So I wept much. That means opening that scroll, And unsealing the scroll means a lot. Until that scroll is opened and the seal is broken, we'll continue to weep. Weeping will still be there. The only thing that can stop the weeping is for somebody to be able to do this. So I wept much. Because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Now, as he was weeping, he says, I'm I'm just going to tell you what happened here. I know you read it. An angel touched him and said, don't weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah, that, that one, the lamb. The lamb has prevailed. 
He is able to. There is no need for weeping. But the point is, we need to know what's in the scroll. We need to be able to see what's in the scroll. Otherwise, we'll continue to weep. It's important. So, the Lamb has prevailed. He is able to open, to take the scroll, to open it and to look into it. That's exactly what Jesus did. He came to unveil the scroll to us. Can I hear an amen? He came to unveil the scroll to us when he came to the world. The word of God. So if you read in Revelation chapter 6, the very first verse, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now I saw when the Lamb, that's the Lamb of God, that's Jesus, when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a, loud, with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it has a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he did what? He went out conquering and to conquer. He went conquering and to conquer. More than a conqueror. Until the seal is broken. The very first seal. Conquering and to conquer. So the secret of living a life more than a conqueror. A life of someone who is more than a conqueror. Is the opening of the seal. Today is an amazing thing there is not that desire and a lot of Christians don't even know God's words much anymore these days I'm even suspicious that stories like the stories of Samson and Delilah and all of those stories there are probably Christians don't know those things anymore because in those days they used to have them on television movies and all of that we don't have those type of movies anymore so there is no people don't know scriptures anymore but until that's broken until that's seen it's hard that's why we have people we want people to come to Sunday school come to uh, uh, Wednesday night meeting so you can learn and grow it's your choice but until even though the scripture is destined you and me to be believers that are more than conquerors until the seal is broken you will not experience it in the real life here so it is the seal every life issue has a door everything in life has a door That's the truth. According to the scripture. And the door has a key. Just one key to be able to get in there. Let me read these scriptures to you to say how important this is. Revelation chapter 1 verse 18. Just to let you know that this is important, that this is true. I am he who lives. And was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And it says, Amen. That's Revelation 1 verse 18. And I have the keys of what? Hell, of AIDS and death. Hell and death. Did you ever think hell has a key? Keys of hell and death? So everything has a key. I have the keys of hell and death. In other words, when Jesus came and he died for us, he took away from Satan the keys of hell and death. And if hell has keys, death has keys, 
Believe me, everything in life has a key. Your life has a key. Your finances has a key. And in your house, there are several keys. And believe me, every key in some homes, these days we have master keys, right? (laughs) But, But every room has its own key. Every house in the neighborhood has different keys. You can't just walk up with your key to a person's home and expect to get in. You're not going in. You have to have the key. Everything in life has a key. If you can have the key, you go in. But until you have the key, you stand out. If you want to get into a house and something bad is after you, if you don't have a key, you're not getting in. How many of you have ever locked yourself out of your car? And you're looking at the key inside. It's still your car, but you can't get in. That's how important the key is. And we have this because God wants us to understand everything in life has a key. Jesus made this statement here. Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 through 19. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven... And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hate, remember we're talking about hell, hate again. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will what? Give you the keys of the kingdom. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth. You see, you can't bind anything until you have the keys of the kingdom. You can't. But how... Let me finish this scripture. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, but to you, he said, to you I give the keys of the kingdom... That whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. In other words, Satan doesn't have the keys anymore. I got it. I gave it to you. So whatever you bind is bound. But until you have the keys, you cannot do it and be successful. It reminds me of the seven sons of Sceva. Remember that? Come out in Jesus' name, whom Paul preaches. And Satan says, well, we know Paul, and we know Jesus, but who are you? Until you have the keys to the kingdom, you're powerless. You can't get in the car. So we work hard to get the keys. If you read in in, um, John chapter 6, Jesus said, do not labor for the food that perishes. Right? Right? There's labor. Do not labor for the food or the meat that perishes, but labor for the food that leads to eternal life. So there is labor. What we are having, we as believers, we are not willing to labor anymore. We want it delivered to us immediately. We don't want to do anything. And if the person is not delivering it, then we're gone. We are not happy. But God says you got to labor. Then the people ask, what do we do to do the works of God? God, Jesus said, just believe. Believe the word. Labor to find what is sealed. And unseal it. How was Peter able to get the keys? Before Jesus said, I give you the keys, he said, 
flesh and blood did not give you this understanding. So he got the keys because of revelation. He was my father that revealed it to you. Flesh and blood did not do it. If you are depending on your flesh and your blood, you won't get the revelation. That's the one that's less than a conqueror because they are doing it in their own flesh. Am I making sense? You got to labor for it. You got to cry out for it. And God will deliver because He's already destined you to be that, per- that person. That's your destiny. To be more than a conqueror. But until you want it, and you really want it, that's why God says, I don't want lukewarm. I want hot or cold. I don't want lukewarm. If you want to go after it, go after it white hot. You want it. That's what you want. So he got that by revelation. Luke chapter 11 verse 52. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. It says, you did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering, you hindered. So, revelation, that's knowledge. That's the key. That's the key for you to understand what God has in His Word. That's the key. Everything that God gives to us, He gives, he gives to us in a mystery. And until you really want it, Jesus has already opened it for, for us. All we have to do is make ourselves available, want it, and God will show it to you. If you cry out for it, uh, Proverbs chapter 8 says, if you cry out for knowledge, if you cry out to have wisdom, God will deliver it to you. You know, James 1 tells us for us to pray for wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, pray for wisdom. I heard somebody say, for maybe three months, every day, I was crying out to God for wisdom. Every day. Every day. I need wisdom. And believe me, God gave it to him. God gave it to him. Because until you let God show you these things in the scripture so that the seal is open. Remember I said Isaiah chapter 11? Um, a scripture there where it says, this is the book. Your, your whole life is in this book. But it's sealed. It's sealed. We need to know what, is, what God has delivered for us, to us. And with these things, we can be more than a conqueror. My time is up. Would you stand up with me tonight? amazing because we just we all prayed for her this about two Sundays ago laid hands on her stomach and God is healed this Sunday we have a healing service please bring your friends I'm already dreaming of what God's going to do here amen if you know somebody that's sick invite them tell them assure them God's going to heal you and bring them in here on Sunday this Saturday we're going to Calvert if you can make it please join us we want to win souls. That's, that's today. There's nothing as important to me. I want to win souls. That's all I live for. Six o'clock Saturday for our prayer day. Yeah. But today, my constant prayer, and God knows my heart pain, that's all I want to do. 
I want to reach people for Christ. I want the same freedom that God has given to me that God will deliver it to them. And uh, asking God, please show me how. I need wisdom. I really need wisdom. I'm not satisfied until I win people for Christ. I pray that God, especially those of you that are in contact with people who are not saved, let God show you how to reach out to them and to bring them. Just a little word here and there, inviting them to church. Sometimes they can't. I remember the one who invited me to church. He probably spent a month or two constantly asking me to, and I won't go because I told him, uh, I'm too bad for God. He's not going to accept me. <laughs> but I did go after a while. And by the grace of God, he saved me. And I'm still very grateful to God for that. Please share your faith. Amen? Share your faith. I need to let you know this. When you start sharing your faith, God will start giving you things that you never knew before. They ask you a question and you start speaking and you listen to yourself and you're wondering, boy, I must be really smart. <laughs> How many has that happened to before? I've listened to myself thinking, man, this is good. <laughs> but the good thing is it stays with you. You learn. After that, that knowledge stays with you. And, and, and because the Holy Spirit gave it to you, He's so powerful. Please, let's share with people. Amen? Let's lift our hands up to God tonight. Father, we thank you. We thank you because we believe that you are reaching our hearts through your word. We cry out for wisdom. We cry out for revelation. You said to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But to those who are without, it will always be parables. Lord, we don't want your word to be parables to us. We want the keys of the kingdom. We are asking for revelation. Lord, that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. That we may know the hope of our calling. Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, we give you praise tonight. Bless your people, Lord, as they go. They came in here to be in your presence. Lord, they live with your presence. Something changed within and around them. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. God bless you.